Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Hey everyone, welcome to Conversations with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Just Keeping... Edit. I can hear you chewing. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to chew on that thing? Or suck it? Okay, good. Hey everyone, this is Karen and Chris Conley with Conversations. We are excited to be back having these conversations after each sermon. This is week two of Just Keep Showing Up. And Chris, I'm excited about this series and also just reflecting on um, how important this whole topic of discipleship is and yet how it kind of feels like one that's avoided because it comes with a cost. And in our culture, we don't like to ask people, you know, to, to give up anything significant. I mean, just to get somebody to volunteer on a Sunday, we, we don't even call it a volunteer because so many people are like, well, that's optional. But like discipleship is costly, but the reward is immeasurable. And so as we walk into week two of Just Keep Showing Up, um, as you think about this message that you've just taught um, and, and just the different elements of where we're going, we talked about how to get over the wall. Um, and then we talked about just the different elements of our life. Where do you want to go in this conversation? Well, there's several places we need to go in this illustration of spiritual growth being one, the new believer in Christ and 10 being complete in Christ and how to get over the wall, which is typically around number five and six. But before we go there, I want to speak just for a moment to some of the things that you said in the introduction about people's approach to something being costly. Anything in our life that is worth anything is costly. And there's this great misunderstanding in Christianity because salvation is free. It is free. You know, 100%, it is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone, and that God the Father sent his son, Christ paid the cost, it was paid in full, and it is offered to us as a free gift. So salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. To become a learner and follower of Christ cost you the ways of the world. To become a learner and follower of Christ cost you a lifestyle of selfishness. And what we've got to do is we've got to replace a lifestyle of selfishness with selflessness. We've got to embrace a lifestyle of being a servant versus being served. And so when we have accidentally allowed church uh, to be the definition of discipleship that I attend church, that is, you know, such a low bar that it will never deliver on the results. And so we have to redefine 
what the call is and therefore redefine what the commitment is in order for Christianity to truly deliver on the results. Because otherwise, we are going to be dissatisfied all along. If we take a convenient approach to Christianity, if we take a consumeristic approach to Christianity, then it is going to deliver less than results. The only way that Christianity delivers on all the promises of God is for us to have a wholehearted, sold-out, complete, total understanding that it is that he is our life he is our life he doesn't complement our life he is the primary purpose of our life well chris um as you're saying that and i'm thinking about this you know this message and and you just talked about you know if we if we settle with church attendance being you know what it is to to be a follower um, I think that's what we've seen all over our culture is that, you know, if church attendance was it, that wasn't in and of itself satisfying. And we weren't even really good at that. Um, and then we're like, well, I guess it doesn't work because I did go, but I don't really feel that radical change. And so um, I think there is so much that God has for us if we will just choose to put our priorities in the order that he desires. Um, and I think sometimes, um, myself included, that we can just get, we get the perspective that God doesn't understand our life, that he doesn't understand, I have three children, or I have a newborn, or I have uh, teenagers, or I have to work, or I have stress. Like, No, I mean, he knows everything and he's not going to ask you to do something that you aren't able to do. Uh, He just wants you to do what is going to actually produce that fruit. And, you know, I was in my priority time yesterday and today, and I keep coming back to the statement that Jesus made in um, the Garden of Gethsemane when he's there with Peter and, um, Peter pulls out the sword and cuts off the ear of the, um, the slave, the high priest slave. And Jesus says, put the sword with, uh, into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? And I think for me over the last few days, as you've talked about discipleship, and I had this priority time Sunday morning, and then I came back to this passage today, Um, it's just in the context of what he paid, you know, Jesus, he's like, am I not going to do what the father told me to do? Is this not the cup that I'm supposed to drink? Put away the sword. I'm going to do this thing that the father has called me to do. And it was to give his life that we really just kind of need to reorient ourselves and realize the standard that we're called to. We think it's huge and it's really what is best and what is good, not even hard and bad. It is beautiful and good. So tell us as we think about this whole concept of getting over the wall, um, maybe describe that place that I think people will identify with and where they're stuck and what this process looks like as a receiver. And then just as important is as the giver, as the person helping that person over the wall. Yeah, so frequently 
we are growing through some of these foundational things that a church can put into our life. And that is, you know, a consistent worship service, you know, a consistent uh, group of friends, you know, a way to serve the Lord, uh, you know, a way to learn biblical stewardship principles and not to be a slave to money or, you know, indebted in some way. And, and those are great foundations, but there are also times that until we really learn how to uh, embrace a lifestyle of spiritual disciplines, you know, to embrace a lifestyle of like, no, I, I love reading the word of God. It, it's not something I do occasionally. It is, it, it is a part of my daily routine. It is like an appetite that just in the same way that I get hungry for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I have a hunger for the word of God. You know, I have a hunger and a thirst for his righteousness. Well, when there are people that can come alongside of me and teach me how to have a priority time where, you know, I'm not intimidated by reading the Bible. I'm not embarrassed that I don't know the books of the Bible. You know, I'm not embarrassed that, you know, I don't know how to pronounce some of the names of the Bible and things like that. But rather, like, the Bible begins to make sense to me in you know, the more that I read it, the more I understand it, the more I understand it, you know, I begin to prioritize it. Well, in that way, then prayer becomes something more than just, you know, I need to ask God for certain things that I want. But prayer becomes, it's a conversation. It's a relationship that I actually turn to God to meet my needs. And so if we were to think about this in another context, all right, since we're living in Memphis right now and, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies are, you know, the second best team in the NBA at this moment and Ja Morant is a rising superstar. Well, if, you know, my son was, you know, 10 years old and all of a sudden, for some reason, Ja Morant noticed that he had some talent and some ability and offered to, you know, teach him how to play basketball, what would I do to make sure that Mark could go spend time with John Morant in order to learn how to dribble the ball with both hands and shoot with both hands and, you know, have court vision and all those kind of things? I'd do anything, right? Well, just how that applies in whatever your area of interest is, whether it's music and, you know, Adele was going to teach you how to sing, you know, what would you do in order to get voice lessons from Adele, right? Well, when it comes to the fact that there are people that have learned how to renew their mind with the word of God, there are people have learned how to develop a, a prayer relationship with God in such a way that mountains truly do move and that prayers really are answered, then it's just you noticing who those people are. But you know what? You'll never notice who those people are until you just keep showing up. And so what you really have to do is you have to kind of enter the race and start running the race in order to be noticed. So that some of those people who've been running the race a long time and they have a lot to offer you and a lot to give you, They'll see you're running the race, and occasionally in that race, you run into a wall, and they're like, oh, wait a second. I think they just got stuck at that wall, and they come back, and they check on you. And then they go, oh, you know what? I got stuck at that wall, too. 
Let me show you how I got over the wall. Let me show you how you can get over the wall. And then these people help you over the wall. And so don't make discipleship into some big intimidating process. Let discipleship just simply be where there's someone further along in their walk with God, further along in the way that they've learned how to love God and love people, serve God, come pour that into your life. And when you get stuck at certain places, when you hit the wall in certain places, you're not the only one that's ever hit that wall. You're not the first one that's ever hit that wall. There's a lot of other people that hit that wall and got stuck too, but eventually someone else helped them over as well. And now it's our privilege to help you over. Well, what I love about what you just described, um, it, it just, it takes away all of, I don't know, the pressure um, on both sides. Like, I mean, do I want to love God more and understand more, but it's okay that I don't have all the books of the Bible memorized and I can't quote all the verses. Yeah, it's okay. That's great. You got to start somewhere and keep showing up and just keep, and the more you do that, the more you'll love what you're doing and the more you want to learn, not because you're going to be quizzed on it ever, but because it's just changing you from the inside out. And so, you know, if that's you, um, nobody is expecting you to know certain things really anywhere along the way. It's, it's a, it's a relationship. It's not a quiz. It's not a class. Um, and you're going to celebrate the growth and you're going to see that fruit come out in your life in the ways that you care in, in the ways that you want to see things in your life change. It's amazing how God will do that by either giving you different eyes or giving you a different heart to approach something because you have been renewing your mind. So from that perspective, and then the other perspective of, I mean, do you have something that you can pour into somebody? Because that's where I, I mean, Clyde is the gentleman that discipled you. And anyone who's been around us has heard us talk about Clyde. Um, but, you know, there wasn't a godly woman that came along in my life and ever discipled me. It was Clyde that there were so many men being impacted that the wives that were in our young married ministry came to me and said, hey, wait a minute, like what? I, we want some of that. We see God doing great things in our husbands. And I was young in my faith. I had only been a believer for a few years. I didn't have everything to offer them either, but I'm like, well, I bet Clyde could maybe take us all together. And it was more like a class than a discipleship relationship, but all those things he poured into us. And then it was like, okay, I don't have all the answers, but I can pour what's been poured into me into somebody else. So Chris, as we think about, um, this process and this wall, um, and the, and the kind of the five lifestyles of a disciple, what is it that you think, uh, maybe were places that, that either you wanted to elaborate on, um, in this message or places that, that maybe someone got stuck, um, that, that we can just kind of help make this as, um, available to both those who need to be discipled, but equally, reachable for those that think, oh, I've never discipled anyone. I can't do that. Well, this is where I would make a distinction between kind of the new believer and how I believe the new believer can take those first, you know, three or four steps just through their 
involvement in the body of Christ, they can experience significant growth, you know, through the worship, friendship, leadership, stewardship. But now this is where when you do hit that wall, I think it's where at times it's kind of going to that second tier where you've established some faithfulness as a new believer. All right. Um, in second Timothy two, two says this in what you have says this, it says in what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men, or we could say faithful women who will be able to teach others also. And so this second Timothy two, two is there's an element of proven faithfulness here. This is someone that they're not starting from zero. Okay. Um, they do, you know, have some consistencies in the sense they have a heart for worship. You know, they are, um, pursuing, you know, how to, uh, grow in God's word. They may not know how to have a priority time fully yet or things of that nature, but they have a hunger. They have a thirst for righteousness. You know, um, they may not fully understand all their spiritual gifts yet, but they have a heart to serve, you know, those kind of things. Well, when that takes place, there are times that someone's moving in the right direction, but guess what? This is a hard life. And this life presents a lot of challenges, a lot of complexities, uh, a lot of problem, a lot of pain. And there's times that there's something broken in your life that you have a hard time just getting total victory over. And that's where I would say, that's when you need to find, you know, two, three, four people that are really running that race. And maybe they are, you know, kind of running a little bit faster than you. Maybe they're running a little bit ahead of you, but they're willing to allow you to run with them. And those people can help you over that wall. And I would even kind of create the visual picture that sometimes, you know, like it's almost like they build a human ladder, you know, like, I mean, hey, step on my knee right here and hey, put your hand on my shoulder and hey, you know, get that leg, you know, kind of lifted and hike over that wall. And then someone else on the other side of the wall and they're going to kind of grab you by the belt and pull you over. All right. And it's this group effort. You don't have to do it by yourself. So when you hit the wall again and again, and you keep failing, it's probably because you're trying to do it by yourself. And so this is where we, we, we've got to go into the world of discipleship is really, it's really two sides of one coin. It's discipleship, but it's also friendship. You know, the discipleship, there is a part of that person is they are kind of a mentor to you. They are a teacher to you. You know, in the Jewish custom, they are kind of like a rabbi. They're, you know, they're, they're teaching you how to be the learner and follow Christ. But on the other side, they're the friend that's going to walk this walk with you. And they're, they're going to be patient with you. Love is patient. Love is kind. And they're going to help you do what you can't do until you can do it. And so in that way, I would say the biggest failure that occurs in discipleship in the church is twofold. One, we try to do it by ourselves most of the time. And then two, those of us that have gotten over the wall, we get too busy to come back and help others get over the wall. So Chris, in that, um, as we think about these last few minutes of this particular podcast, um, I do think that is, um, both of those things are, have been happening. Um, uh, people don't realize that they think I'm the first one that's hit this wall 
They think the enemy tells them you're the problem. The enemy tells them God's not true. Um, And so it's the lies about us and lies about God that keep that person from even realizing they're hitting a wall that everybody hits. Um, But I think equally true and maybe even more so is those that do make it over the wall, to your point, um, don't necessarily turn around. And, and, and that may even feel like those tend to be people, honestly, a lot of times that they have full lives and they have responsibilities and God has blessed their faithfulness. Um, but they're not giving back and it feels overwhelming to think about doing that. What would you say to that person that, that they have a desire, but they don't know how to fit it in? Yeah. I'm not asking anybody to disciple 12 people. Mm -hmm. All right. Even Jesus with his 12, he really gave primary attention to Peter, James, and John. You know, he really gave primary attention to three, okay? Can you prioritize in your life, you know, one, two, three people? You know, can you have lunch or breakfast or coffee with someone twice a month? You know, sometimes it's needed weekly. That's ideal. That's best. But sometimes that's not possible. But, and then if you can't do that, all discipleship's not one-on-one. I mean, there's a time and a place for one-on-one that, and sometimes that can be uh, most effective, but other times it's incredibly effective. If you can find two or three people that are willing to kind of run together and trust one another and be vulnerable, where, you know, maybe what you do is, okay, twice a month, we're going to go get lunch. We're going to go to the same place. We're going to get this booth and it's me and three other people or me and two other people. And we just have this cadence. And we just stay true to that. And what we're doing, now listen, there's the discipleship time that occurs over lunch or whatever. But then it's all the additional things. It's the phone calls. It's, hey, let's go for a walk. Hey, let's go for a run. Hey, let's go to the ball game. It's a holistic process. Remember, the thing about the student in this discipleship relationship with the rabbi is the student wanted to be like the rabbi. And so it's more caught than taught. It is very contagious. It's about imitation. Well, Chris, I know that... Oh, one thing. I forgot. Yeah. Here's what's so important in in that imitation part is it's overlapping relationships. If everything has to be an appointment, then it's not going to happen. But if we have overlapping relationships where, oh, oh, and guess what? I'll see this person at church or guess what? You know, our kids also play soccer and I'm going to see this person at, you know, the soccer game every Saturday morning, whatever it might be. Oh, we also serve on this team together. Well, then when your life just overlaps, then it's easier to spend more time together and therefore it's easier to sharpen one another. This today we were talking with our team about what this looks like, and um, maybe two things that that I'll just throw in there that I think were helpful as we had this conversation. Um, if you're somebody thinking, "Oh, I want to be discipled," the first thing you need to do is you need to be faithful in the little. Um, so if you aren't consistently showing up at church, if you're not consistently Um, you know, uh, a part of a small group or um, spending time in God's word or serving. um, Those are the first things that you need to do. There needs to be some evidence of faithfulness. Um, The other thing we talked about is, you know, that, that, you know, it can be kind of glamorous-ish to say I'm being discipled, but 
um, you've got to be willing to do the work. You've got to be willing to make that investment yourself so that the person discipling you isn't carrying the burden for the relationship. Discipleship is about application. So if the disciplee, if the student isn't applying whatever's being talked about, then there's no growth. You only grow through application. So it is so important to understand that the quality of the discipleship depends upon the obedience of the disciple. (coughs) Edit. Well, and the other point in that, that's not to discourage someone from looking for a discipler, but it is to say, be faithful in a little so that then you will be able to be in a place where the person that is faithful wants to build into you, wants to be able to accelerate where you are and help you over that wall. And so I hope that this has been a helpful conversation. We look forward to next time building onto this um, and continuing to paint this picture of what it looks like for us to live life on life and become the men and women of God that God has called us to be. But we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.